Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things, friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Amen. You may be seated. What a weird passage of Scripture. Amen. <laughs> and not, not just a weird passage of Scripture, a uh, very awkward passage of Scripture. How many times do you read passage of Scripture and end up disappointed in Jesus? Not often, right? In fact, we're not supposed to. I, I would submit it matters where you sit today as you behold this story. It matters where you sit. Can I tell you where you need to be sitting before we get into it? If you sit in this seat of uh, judgment of Jesus, A, doesn't that sound dangerous? First of all, that sounds dangerous. But if you're sitting amongst folks, and perhaps this is representative of where you are today too, if you're sitting amongst folks who who are ready to lecture Jesus, that's not a great seat. I want you to sit amongst and with the Canaanite woman. Sit with the Canaanite woman today. Sit as the Canaanite woman today. If you are the Canaanite woman today in one way or another, and by the way, you guys are all, we are all Gentiles. Another way to say that, outsiders. (laughs) If we sit with the Canaanite mother today, not only do we have, not only can we develop a great appreciation for her desperation that takes the shape of faith, but also, again, if you're sitting with or as the Canaanite woman, there is something for you today that there's not if you're sitting in the seat of judgment. But I'm with you. This is a terribly awkward passage of Scripture, and so I'm going to avoid it as long as I can by talking about what dogs can eat and not eat. I'm going to start off telling you this is Baker. This is our, Now, when we, it was tragic. When we lost Levi, I put my foot down and said, we are not going to have a dog for a while, right? Uh, we had a dog in about 45 minutes after that. We had a dog. And I said, okay, all right, but we are not, okay. One, one dog. We are not going to have another dog because we're, we're not a two dog. This is the other dog that we got about another 45 <laughs> minutes later. This is Baker and this is Ireland. You can tell I'm in complete control of my household. Um, let's talk a little bit again, trying to avoid this hard passage of scripture as long as we can. Can we talk about, about what your dogs can eat and not eat? I'm going to name a food and you kind of guess out loud whether or not it's okay for dogs to eat, okay? Almonds. Can our dogs eat almonds? No, they cannot. <laughs> bread. Can our dogs eat bread? Yes. yes. Just a little bit, not a whole lot. Cashews. Can our dogs eat cashews? No. Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> cheese. Can your dogs eat cheese? No. Yes, but not too much. By the way, you shouldn't eat too much cheese either. <laughs> we'll just leave that there. Uh, chocolate. No, no. no. Cinnamon. People went, no? (laughs) No, no cinnamon. Coconut. Can a dog eat? Yeah, okay. Corn. Well, since most of your dog food is made of corn, corn's okay, right? Uh, Eggs. Yes. Yes. Fish. 
Yes. Garlic. No, 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 no. Your dog's breath is as bad as it's going to be, so don't have a mean. Ham. Can dogs eat ham? Yes. How about honey? Yes. Dogs can eat, yeah, apparently it helps them with their allergies. I don't know. Uh, Ice cream. (laughs) You said yes and no. (laughs) Yes. No? Yes? No? No. Macadamia nuts. Nope, nope, nope. Milk? Yes, not a whole lot. Quinoa. I don't know why anybody eat quinoa. (laughs) Yes, your dogs can eat the quinoa that you won't eat. Okay. Um, Salmon. Yes. Shrimp. Yes, okay. Uh, And then the last couple, tuna. (laughs) Yes, yes. Turkey, yes. Wheat and grains, yes. Yogurt, yes. Table scraps that fall from the master's table in this story, yes, yes, yes. A thousand times yes. Okay, we've avoided it as long as we can. Let's start working through these verses. And again, it's possible that you'll take something home with you that can change you. But it really depends on where you sit as you view listen to the story. A little bit of background information. At the beginning of chapter 15, uh, Jesus says some things that we're all going to really like. He says to those mean old Pharisees, hey, you guys are majoring on minors. You're all legalistic about stuff, but you're missing the point, and the point is that you should love your father and mother. And we're like, yeah, 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 Pharisees. The Pharisees have also complained about uh, the, the disciples and their eating habits. They've complained that they're not washing their hands. Okay, really important, though, that we understand why the book of Matthew was written. It's important that we recognize what function this gospel is playing for the early church. Now, it was all written down after a nightmare situation. This is after the destruction of the temple. This is after the murder of the entire priesthood. The people of God are still there, but they're wondering, okay, what does this look like now? What does faith look like now? Uh, Who should be included? Who should be on the inside and who should be on the outside? What does it mean to be the body of Christ? What does it look like? This is a good question to ask as you wrestle with this very difficult question. What does it look like to be us? What does it look like to be the body of Christ? And now we're going to be able to watch as Jesus tries to sort through what it means to be Christ and what it means for us now to be the body of Christ. The Pharisees are angry at the disciples. They are not washing their hands. Jesus, you are disobeying the rules and your followers are disobeying the rules that have to do with ritual purity and they are impure because they are eating with unwashed hands. Jesus ultimately says, come on. It's not what you eat. It's not what you eat that makes you unclean. It's not what you do that makes you unclean. It's not what you eat. We're not going to render someone inside or outside, and in this case, outside, by what you eat. It's not what comes into your body but then passes through your body that makes you unclean. It's what goes out of the mouth that defiles. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. All of those things have a a deep relational aspect or element to them. And so here we are saying, yeah, Jesus, come on. 
Way to go. Jesus is putting the emphasis on the right syllable. It's not about all the rules and regulations. It is about this love thing. It is about relationality in all of us. And I got to tell you, me included, I'm the first one in that line to say, yeah, yeah. And I start pointing at Pharisees, right? Yeah. Got to do it just right, Jesus. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. You could almost hear Jesus say, come on. Come on. We're all with him. We're all with him here. Then Jesus goes out wandering. He, he actually leaves. I think it's because the temperature is getting pretty hot in and around all of the Jewish people. So in and around Jerusalem, he leaves to go walk amongst the folks who are on the outside looking in, the Gentiles. The Gentiles who are so unclean and impure that self-respecting Jews are not to be caught associating with these unclean Canaanites, these unclean Gentiles. Don't get caught associating with them. Don't talk to them. They might talk back to you. And so Jesus goes walking amongst them when all of a sudden... Canaanite woman, now that's loaded language, just, and we could, we could spend five minutes here, but I'm not going to, just hear this. The Canaanite woman is one of those people, the outsiders, the outsiders that Jesus is not supposed to talk to. In fact, she's not supposed to talk to Jesus, and yet here she comes. A woman from that region came out and started shouting, have mercy on me. Fascinating statement here. Lord, she ascribes to him authority. Son of David, she seems to even know something of his genealogy, which, by the way, if you look in, the, in, the, in your Bible, in the first chapter of Matthew, you'll see a genealogy, you know, this hall of fame. There's a whole lot of people there who have names that we'll recognize, lots of Jewish people and three Canaanite women. How did they get in there? I don't know, but maybe she knows. And maybe she recognizes that it's important. And maybe she's saying to Jesus, hey, I'm not so far from you. Have mercy on me. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Verse 23. He did not answer her at all. As was the tradition, as was the custom, as was the expectation, he did not answer her at all. Okay, and that might be the tradition, that might be the custom, that might be the law of the land at that point, but aren't you and I disappointed? Verse 24, he did not answer her at all. His disciples said, hey, she's going to keep at this until you say something to her. Do you, would you please just send her away? Just send away this woman who is desperately trying to help her daughter. Just send her away. And Jesus responds, perhaps to them, but perhaps somehow to her, we're not sure, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But we've heard this before, actually, all the way back in chapter 10. 
Jesus says the same thing. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's the day that I said to you, there is this giant plan that is now underway. And Jesus is going up and down the ranks trying to refresh and renew and encourage the people of Israel through whom? Through whom God is going to reach all the people. That has always been the plan. Hear this. That has always been the plan. The plan of God has been to reach all the people, but through a particular people known as the people of Israel. This is really important here. It wasn't that God didn't have in mind all of the outsiders. God, it wasn't that God didn't have in mind all of these Gentiles. That all was coming in its time, in its time, in its time. For now, Jesus understood his marching orders like this. You go up and down the ranks. You wrap your arms around these people of Israel. Try to remind them who they are. Try to encourage them to be what they're supposed to be. Try to help them take their places in the plan. Try to do that. Jesus says, you got it. I will do it. I'm signed up. I'm committed. I'm called only to the, ho- to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But Jesus, there's somebody right here in front of you. I don't know. Maybe he's thinking, if I do this, there'll be 10,000 more like her. Maybe he had a schedule. I don't know. I don't know. I am impressed with her. Now, we don't know a whole lot about her. Maybe she tried everything else. I don't know. Maybe she tried the the local physicians. Maybe she had tried everything else. I I don't know what to tell you. But there's something about her that I admire, that I like. So she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not fair. Perhaps it's translated good or right in your Bibles. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Let's stand and be dismissed. Uh, What a terrible place to end, right? Here again, here again, we will make a tragic mistake here if we aren't sitting close enough to the woman. We'll make a tragic mistake here if we're not sitting close enough to the woman to kind of feel, to sense her anguish, her desperation. Moms in the room will know exactly what I'm talking about. If we're not sitting close enough, we will not sense that this woman is willing to do anything she has to do to be heard. Her daughter is hanging in the balance. You just got to know this. She is going to do what needs to be done to get an audience with this person who seems to have the capacity to help, to heal, to cure. Even when you only touch the hem of his garment, I am going to be heard by you, Jesus. Man, I like her. Man, I wish I was more like her. This word, dogs, uh, lots of different words in the Greek language that could have been used here to represent a canine, right? Could have used a word that would have been more uh, representative of wild dogs that are really nuisances, pests. You called pest control to take care of these kinds of dogs. These are dangerous, and, and Jewish folks typically didn't have dogs in their house of any kind. 
But these outsiders, these Gentiles are doing something strange, you all. They were actually taking these dogs into their households and, and kind of treating them as part of the family. This is the word that is used here. If you need a little better translation, think of it as lap dogs. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Man, I like her. She said, okay, I'll take that, and I'll take those crumbs. Even the lap dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so she's a desperate woman. She is an, uh, a persistent, stubborn mom. And she seems to understand mercy. And here's what she understands about mercy. It is not a finite reservoir. <laughs> maybe at this point, I don't know, maybe Jesus thought, okay, I've only got so much to go around, whether that's time or, or himself, or maybe it's mercy. I've only got so much to go around. And she's able to say to him, no, 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 there's always enough. There's always enough. In fact, I'll take the leftovers. She was so desperate. A couple of chapters ago, a couple of sermons ago, Simon Peter was in the boat, stormy. He sees Jesus walking on top of the water, on top of the sea. And Simon Peter said to Jesus, okay, since it's you, since it's you, Call me out there to you that I can walk on top of the water. And he takes a couple of steps, miraculously takes a couple of steps, and then he notices the wind and the waves. It starts to sink. Jesus grabs him by the hand and refers to him, oh, Simon Peter, you of little faith. Maybe even could have been translated like this, oh, Simon Peter, Mr. Little Faith. <laughs> it's not accidental that just a chapter later, Jesus says to this woman, you have great faith. You have huge faith, massive faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I'm just going to make a couple of observations here, okay? before we close. If somehow Jesus is representative of God, which I think is a good idea. Anybody else? I think that's a pretty good idea. And if somehow this woman, outsider that she is, chronically normal and human as she is, is representative of us, I think that's okay too. Then listen to what we can say right here. Ready? She had an impact on him. Whoa, I think you missed that because that was a big amen spot right there. Watch this. Do you pray? Do you ache? Do you ache in anguish? Do you worry? Are you desperate? Are you desperately in need? Here, hear this. Ready? There might be a couple of different gospel statements in this passage. Here's one of them. 
she reached his heart. Which means you can too. But here is another gospel statement that we need to make here. Turns out she knew that the table was larger than just for the insiders. Let me tell you why this is the gospel. (laughs) Because we're all outsiders. Guys, we're outsiders. But the table is growing. The table is large. The table is growing. And though we are outsiders, perhaps in more ways than one, there is always, always going to be room at this table for outsiders like us. And all God's people said, or at least they ought to say, oh my goodness. Last moment here. Something else that might go, what is the gospel? Here's the last part of what I'd say. Bullet point number three about the gospel. Mercy is infinite. And because it's infinite, and because you have received this mercy, there is no reason for you not to dispense this mercy. People, the table is big and getting bigger. Who's not allowed to be around your table of faith? This is not Jesus down here in the right-hand corner here. This is Mike Laughlin. This is our youth pastor, Mike Laughlin, who, by the way, uh, this is his last Sunday for a while because Mike goes on sabbatical this week. Um, it's a cool thing to have a ministry team together long enough that we, we experience multiple sabbaticals. That's a, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm grateful. Let me tell you something about Mike Laughlin. Mike Laughlin always wants the table to be Bigger. Bigger. Mike always wants the table to be bigger. If you don't believe it, go see Mike in action at an outpost. If you don't know what an outpost is, we go every week and we serve a meal at three different apartment complexes, and Mike is always at one of those apartment complexes inviting, playing host, being hospitable. Why? Because Mike, in his bones, knows that the table has got to be big enough for everybody. So Mike does youth ministry like that. Now he's doing open gym ministry like the table's got to be big enough for everybody. Mike's working on an idea right now in conjunction with Catholic Charities and in conjunction with the, with the Sparrow Project. We're going to come to you in the fall and we're going to say, we're going to start having dinners for relocated refugees. And, and we would like for you to come and perhaps be family and network for these people who are trying to resettle here. And, and hopefully, you'll come and eat Burmese food or come and eat Iraqi food or come and eat Sudanese food because the table, you all, is big. How big is it? It's as big as God is. It's as big as God is. I said this to you before Jason left, and you were awesome, and you continue to be awesome about it. And Jason comes back in two weeks 
God be praised. <laughs> I said this to you before Jason left. Man, Jason does so much in the area of pastoral care and visiting folks in the hospital, visiting folks who are homebound, going to need some help. And man, you signed up by the droves. Similarly, hear this. Pastor Mike's going away for eight weeks. Who's going to help make sure that the table's big enough? What do you mean, Pastor? Well, okay, I mean, help with Outpost. We're about, we're about to uh, multiply again and go to a fourth site at Outpost, and we, we need people. In the spirit of Mike Laughlin, will you help us serve hot dogs and shake hands and hug people? It means helping out, show up as you can in the Cole Center, open gym. To do what? Well, keep score, learn names, shake hands, wrap your arms around people. What about teenagers? Somebody is going to have to come alongside teenagers and put an arm around them every once in a while and say, you matter, you belong. These are all ways that you could help us further the ministry of Mike Laughlin. How big is your table? How big is the table around which, around which we host the most important meals? <laughs> How big is your table? It needs to be as big as Mike's. It needs to be as big as Christ's. It needs to include outsiders and Canaanites like us. In a moment, uh, we're going to have a prayer time. And like we typically do, I'll start us off with a prayer of confession, and then Brittany will come up and pray prayers of intercession, and then Dr. Tashton will pray a prayer of commission. We're going to commission Mike to go on sabbatical. Be a great time, and, and it'll be right here. We'll ask Mike to be right here. Be a great time for you to come and surround Mike to pray along with him. Yes, for Mike, but for us, that we would continue this ministry of hospitality in his absence. If you're helping us to set this particular table, would you go ahead and come this way? Heavenly Father, as we gather to distribute these elements, we would ask that you would bless the bread and the cup. Bless these elements, God, and use them to open our eyes to your presence. Use them, Lord, to open our eyes to your mission, to your passion. Use them, Lord, to make us into something more than we would have been otherwise. Grow us, grow us as we participate today. If you are visiting with us today, here's the way this happens around here. We call it intinction. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, exit your pew to your left, and come forward with your hands cupped. Hands cupped because what you receive is a merciful gift. You can't grab it, you can't purchase it, you can't charge it. It comes to you as a gift because mercy never runs out. Don't eat that bread just yet. As you take a piece of bread, the person holding the bread will say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread and dip it into the cup. Someone standing right there will be holding a cup of juice. That person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Dip it into that cup and then eat it. And then, if you would, find a place to pray. 
If you come to one of these side padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing and someone really good at this will come and pray this prayer for healing for you. Any kind of healing really, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational healing. If it's broken, God is interested in it being fixed. Perhaps you'll come to one of these mourner's benches up here at the front. We won't assume a thing, but we also will not allow you to pray alone. Somebody at some point, not in an intrusive sort of way, will come and touch you on the shoulder, back of the head, the neck, just to let you know you are not alone. You saw these baptisms today, but perhaps you've forgotten what the water felt like. We have a bowl of water right here. Just a simple bowl of water. And all we ask is that you would just sort of dip your fingers in it just to jog your memory, to remember what it was like, the chill of the water, to remind you that you are, in fact, part of the called. You might ask, am I allowed around this table? Have you been listening? All who are aware of their need for grace, no matter what, all who are aware of their need for the grace of God are welcome around this table and will be each week. If you can't come to us, Caleb and Kristen will be coming to you. Just slip up a hand and they will find you and minister the sacraments there. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of it, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup, he held it up before them, and he said, and this is my blood, blood of a new covenant now shed for you, and every time you drink it, remember me. All across the sanctuary now, if you would, stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, and come forward with your hands cupped to receive tangible expressions of the mercy of God. Heavenly Father, we confess variety of things today. We confess that sometimes in this place, around this table, around these altars, we feel a little bit more like dogs and humans. We also confess, Lord, that we have it in us be the people who draw the lines, who mark folks as inside or outside. We have it in us to be that voice of the Pharisee. Pronouncing people as unfit or unclean, impure, unworthy. Remind us, Lord, that the table is 
large enough not just for those that we perhaps have deemed unworthy. Remind us, Lord, that the table is large enough for those of us who perhaps have deemed others unworthy. The table is still large enough for us as well. confess, Lord, that we're in need of your mercy. We confess, Lord, that we are in deep need. We're in deep need of your mercy. Convince us that we have received this mercy. Show us time and again how deeply we have needed and then have received your mercy so that something in us can be unlocked so that we can then be merciful in ways that we couldn't have dreamt before. Now hear us, God, as we pray for one another. Join me in some prayers of intercession. You take a moment to pray for yourself. If there's any sin or woundedness or brokenness in your own life that you need God to heal, won't you ask for that now? and a co-worker, someone you know that is in need of God's healing touch, won't you pray for them now? Take a moment and pray for the sick among us, for those recovering from surgery. We think of Walt Crow and Dr. Bratcher. Len Caprero. Would you pray that God will touch those among us who need healing from physical ailments? We thank you in advance, God, for all that you will do for us. We know that you are faithful. Thank you, gracious God, that in your providence you have provided for a Sabbath rest to allow us to step back, to have a time of relaxation, of reflection, of renewal. We thank you for the ministry of Pastor Mike and Karen so selflessly giving of themselves to the work of ministry to youth and to the community and our neighborhood. We pray that as Pastor Mike takes this time of Sabbath rest that he would have the time and the opportunity to step back and enjoy your great creation, to have a time when he can be with family and, and friends and loved ones, to have a time when he can be alone and reflect 
think about ways that your grace is going to continue to work in his life. We thank you for the example that he has left for all of us to reach out to people, to open the table to all sorts of people. And may this time be for him and for his family a time when your grace, your peace, the renewing power of your spirit will be at work. For all that you do, we'll give you thanks. And may we all of us be faithful in serving you and serving the people of our neighborhood. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us conclude this time of prayer with the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples using debts and debtors. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.